I'm the doctor, by the way. You're listening to Pieces of Eight, the Doctor Who podcast that always tells the truth. Except, of course, when it doesn't. Mm. <laughs> We're back to look at those sections of the Doctor Who universe that feature the incarnation of the Time Lord as played by Paul McGann. I'm Rebecca Chapman. And I'm not. I'm Kenny Smith. And you join us <laughs> as we resume our quest to feature the eighth Doctor's exploits, whether on screen and books, novellas, full cast audio, short stories, comics, animations, talking books, magazines, and more. Indeed we are. This week we've got an exclusive chat as we hear from the writer of an 8th Doctor audio for the first time. But also, this is our 100th episode. That's absolutely right, which is quite scary when you consider that, what, number one was, what, two years ago this month? Ooh, terrifying. So we're averaging virtually one a week in that time. Better than one a day, I suppose. Oh, December nearly killed me, you know. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it certainly did, but I'm so glad that we get so much of it done in advance. But yeah, I think it was just those last few episodes that we dropped in just to make it one a day as a, an advent calendar that it was just a bit much. I don't think it was we'll be, a bit much, but I enjoyed I, it. Oh, absolutely. I just don't think we'll be doing the, the one a day thing unless they're all recorded months in advance. But um, yeah, that's <laughs> a problem for another day. Anyway, happy 100th birthday to you. And to you, of. our listeners. Yeah, when I say birthday, as in not as in years, as in 100th episode birthday, not 100 years. <laughs> and if you're 100 years old, my God, you look amazing. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. And today, Paul Sutton joins us live from Hungary. Well, I have to say it was live when I spoke to him, obviously not made up, uh, for a chat about No More Lies, which was the sixth adventure to feature Lucy Miller alongside the Doctor. And quite scarily, this was first broadcast on BBC Seven back on the 4th of July, 2007. How old were you then? Oh, on the 4th of February, 2007, I was four days away from my 12th birthday. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, it was then released on CD by Big Finish in June that year, which was <laughs> around the time of my 33rd birthday. But um, that's terrifying. If it helps at all. Yeah. My youngest brother was two months old when this released. No, that doesn't help in the slightest. <laughs> it makes me feel like I should be sort of like carrying a scythe around or have a big beard and walk with a clock. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, before we move on, could you please tell us a wee bit more about the story from its webpage, uh, which, of course, you can buy the story from www.bigfinish.com. Of course. Is this an excuse for me to bring out my blur-brooding voice? Indeed. Power it up. Oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> what links a disintegrating spaceship to a posh garden party where a wealthy couple are celebrating their love for each other in style? Gate crashes the Doctor and Lucy think they know the answer, but they're not the only uninvited guests. Ferocious alien warriors riding pterodactyl-like vortosaurs are about to make their entrance. Now, let's hear the official trailer. In the next episode of Doctor Who... Hello, hello. Thank you all for coming. You know how much it means to us. A funny thing happened on the way to the garden party. You right there, Gordon. That's just déjà vu, isn't it? Thank you all for coming. You've materialised us inside a time loop. Thank you all for coming. 
you're forcing my hand, Doctor. Your journey ends here, time traveler. Lucy? You made me remember. Close your eyes, Lucy. Where are you, Lucy? You made me remember. Give me your time. Lucy! Thank you all for coming. No more lies. Kenny. I love... Yes. <laughs> I have just seen the prompt that you have in the script. <laughs> yes, we'll not read it out, but yeah, maybe another time. <laughs> you're, you're awful. Yes, one tries, but yeah, it's one that our our reader, our, our reader, our listener who doesn't like innuendo wouldn't approve of. But uh, there we go. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is a story with an incredible cast list. There's TV smoothie Nigel Havers. The future husband of Sarah Jane Smith, of course, is the story's villain. Nick Zimmerman with Julia McKenzie as his love interest, Rachel. Yes, um, of course, she's uh, known to us as the Twelve these days, so even more fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, there's the brilliant Tom Chapman, better known to classic fans as Duggan in City of Death, playing Gordon Davidson. I used to know a Gordon Davidson once. Um, he used to be sort of like our production manager uh, when I worked in newspapers, and um, he was completely rubbish at his job, and he was known as... Uh, the fat controller uh, because he was, he was just he just looked like um, Sir Topham Hat from Thomas the Tank Engine that's quite sad that I know the fat controller's real name is Sir Topham Hat is he just called the controller these days because that's sort of like slightly sizest you know what I don't know considering I'm going to have a small boy I imagine I'll be watching Thomas the Tank Engine quite a lot well if you know that when we find out the answer in whatever it may be 18 months or so please do get in touch and let us know uh, or listeners if you're if you know the answer to this please let us know what is sir topham hat better known as these days anyway <laughs> that's completely by the by um how did you enjoy this one i really enjoyed it um talking about gordon davidson i really liked the amount of flash gordon references <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was great that was always a lot of fun but it broke my heart. I realised what was going on quite quickly. And it made the entire episode... I'm going with episode. It made the entire episode heartbreaking. Once you've worked out what's going on, or once you find out what's going on, it's... Yeah, it's I, mean, sad. I mean, I think, considering... I, I, it's just that total 180 degree turn, because you look at the start, the Doctor and Lucy are on the spaceship pursuing Zimmerman with his time whip. What a wonderful name. I don't know how it works, but a time whip. It's, it's also great fun to say. Whip. I think it's, it's always fun to say with a Scottish accent, you know. Oh, maybe it is then. Go on, you say it. Time whip. No, maybe it's whip. Mm. Or maybe it's just the way I pronounce my P's. I don't know. <laughs> um, my, my, my P's excuse. No, I love that. I think it is. It's so pacey and then just a complete change of pace as it slows down and it becomes just that a love story in there and um even bad guys can be can bad guys be fully reformed well zimmerman shows that he's he certainly is trying and uh a great performance from him and julia mckenzie they're just and they're such a believable couple uh, as nick and rachel oh no i agree i was getting serious unicorn and the wasp vibes Yes, I know what you mean. That just that sort of that country house sort of yeah posh house kind of garden party. Kind yeah, of. It was, yeah, it definitely had like an Agatha Christie vibe. Just with the, I'm trying to work out how to do this without spoilers, but just with with the with the time loop instead. <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. Um, and of course, the other thing is that um, there's the uh, 
reference to vortisors, which is a nice wee throwback to the early Megans with Ramsay. And in this case, uh, we've got a vortisor called Margaret, who obviously is a reference to another Prime Minister, unfortunately. But, um, mm. oh well, you can't have everything. But just to keep <laughs> the Prime Minister thing going, for this episode, I actually did try to get in touch with, in fact, I did speak to Tim Hudson, who plays the Tormodog leader, uh, to see if he would want to go and rechat. But unfortunately, he didn't remember too much about it, which is absolutely fine. But I see that um, he's appearing in some uh, right-wing comedy, inverted commas, show um, coming up, uh, which is uh, sort of looking at uh, the the Matt Hancock diaries, and it's got um, that awful human being, Lawrence Fox, playing um, Matt Hancock, the former health secretary, and mm, it's got it's Tim so Hudson playing Boris Johnson. So I don't know what... Uh, Tim was really nice when I spoke to him. I would never judge anyone based on their politics, but, um, oh well, I hope um, I hope he makes a few quid out of it, even if nobody else at the night does. Do you know what? You might not judge someone for their political leanings. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, not a fan. No, well, my... No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. But um, my my grandparents were both conservative councillors, and um, yeah, we just had a rule never to talk politics with my granny. So, um, oh, I have the same rule with my grandparents. Do not worry. Oh, thank God! Thank God! It's not just me then. But no, all in all, I love this one. I think it's just the music in it, particularly when Julia sings that song, is is wonderful. But yeah, that's I, I really enjoyed it. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, it was heartbreaking, but I enjoyed it. Anyway, enough of our praise for this one. We both thoroughly enjoyed it. So let's head to Hungary and meet the author, Paul Sutton. Uh, My name's Paul Sutton, and uh, I wrote many, many, many years ago the Paul McGann Doctor Who story, No More Lies. And just to clarify, your name is Paul Sutton, not Paul S. Sutton. Oh, there hangs a tail. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know actually if it's. I, I don't know if it was only on the printed media or if it's still available as Paul S. Sutton on the digital download. But um, yeah, they they printed my name wrong. Oh dear Lord. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know who Paul S. Sutton is, but it's a, I guess it must have just been a typing error. <laughs> <laughs> These things do happen. So let's wind the clock back. 2006. Do you remember getting that email and how exciting it must have been when it came through from Gary Russell? I, I remember I did. I think it was the story I did after my Gallifrey story. And um, so I got it. Uh, uh, I remember because I was living in a flat and I because I live in Hungary. And in those days, we only had one English language channel, and it was like a cable TV, um, like a BBC World, I think it was called. And um, I coincidentally, it was on when I opened um, the email. And unbelievably, um, Paul McGann was in a Dickens, a Charles Dickens thing on BBC World as I was opening this email and and reading that I'd like to, uh, I, I, you know, could I be part of this first season of, um, of, the, of the Paul McGann stories? 
and and to, to this it was a crazy absolutely crazy coincidence because there was i was sitting at my desk and there was paul mcgann on the television next to the desk and i was being asked to write something for him and it was it was very i can't remember what it was but it, i'm sure it was a charles dickens production i don't know why i remember that but um yes it was extremely exciting of course it was yes He's, yeah. um paul, paul mcgann uh because I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fifty-something old chap, and um, I go back to, uh, I was, I was the right, I was the perfect age, I think, when With Nail and I was uh, made and released. I think I was the perfect age to watch that. It was like nineteen or twenty when I saw it uh, in about eighty-nine, and I'd already grown up with watching things like the monocled mutineer and um the um was it nice town or small town was it nice town that he did with josette simon i think it was called nice town and um uh, about uh, a couple wanting to have a baby i i grew up basically i'd grown up seeing paul mcgann on the tv a lot in these seminal roles that really i mean the monocled mutineer scared me to death it was unbelievably good. So to, to have the chance to be asked to, to have some kind of connection with him was was amazing, yes. I was thrilled. I can imagine. So did you have any sort of brief or were you, was it pretty much an open pitch to see what you fancied doing? As I remember it, I've looked through my notes here and I can't, I, I don't, I didn't save uh, anything that they actually sent me. But what I remember was that I was going to fit in I, w I was told the slot I was given and a basic idea of, okay, so we need this type of story. You know, you, you can't link it with anything else and it will be a standalone kind of adventure. You can do what you want, but at the end, we're going to add this, you know, there's this little piece at the end, isn't there, which is, um, well, spoilers, I guess, but there's this little piece at the end which wasn't written by me which is just the uh, connecting it to the next story where where Lucy is confronted by a character who has a name I've now forgotten. Um, the headhunter. The headhunter, the headhunter, that's it, yes. And so I had, no, I had no idea about that. I don't know how it was for the other writers, but I was specifically said, standalone story, we'll connect it with everything else, so don't worry about that. So yeah, it was pretty much free reign, which was fantastic fantastic setting and you know the way it all starts um it's effectively two stories in one really when we've got you know jumping in midway through which i think is a great way to do it and it quickly sets up zimmerman as a as a very charming naughty fellow and then <laughs> we just go for a more wonderful sort of more serene setting i think it's a fabulous a fabulous contrast I like the idea of contrast very much. All of my favourite Doctor Who classic adventures are the ones that shift scene somehow. So you've got, oh God, now I'm not going to be able to think of any examples whatsoever. Stones, Stones of Blood suddenly ends up on a, on a spaceship and you've got um, the face of evil. That, that totally shifts location. Um, again, to a kind of a spaceship with that seventeen thing, and there was the Pertwee story, which I th I think it was Invasion of the Dinosaurs. That does the same thing as well, doesn't it? And all of the, I I love that idea of absolutely changing your location completely and having this really 
deep contrast between two things. So yeah, and and I, I wanted to have, a, I wanted to do an action story. I think, and it's that's not that doesn't really come naturally to me. I always write about you know relationships and all this kind of gubbins and um, and but this time I I I just done for big finish the Gallifrey story I think and that was very political and and uh, you know dialogue driven and there was an alien invasion I think but it was it was in the background you know but so this time I was really determined to get some action scenes going and that's why I started in the middle of the uh, as as you said in the in the middle of the action I really I, I like that and I remember it was when it was broadcast because that first season I think it was only the first season that was broadcast on BBC Radio 7 I don't know if they did any more or not but when I do remember when it was um, broadcast when it came to my story the, the continuity announcer said don't worry you haven't missed anything it starts in the middle of the action <laughs> I thought oh okay, that's right thanks for thanks for the clarification <laughs> that's good so yes it was I, I like that kind of stuff yeah fantastic setting as well just having that enclosed time loop all to itself and it's a wonderful thing that having been a a bit of a work in Rose Zimmerman doing everything that he can to keep Rachel alive. Yeah, I mean, again, that goes back to the, I wanted to, you know, again, the contrast where you get this real bad guy, but then maybe he's doing something nice kind of thing. Or, I mean, he, he's just twisted anyway, but I mean, he's, he's not, you, you start off and he's this, crazy bad guy and then you still think he's the bad guy but maybe he's doing because yeah, again the surrounding has changed you've got this lovely garden and all this garden party and so that's the idea of contrast again and i love the idea of time loops i just i mean i, <laughs> I who doesn't love a time loop you know exactly and then of course you had the script there sent it off and from what i recall it was quite a quite quite a quick turnaround in these wasn't it in those days, I think the turnaround it, it was it was a lot quicker than it is these days. I do remember getting two responses for drafts, and like say, can you change that? Can you change this? And what does this mean? And you know, big list, a couple of pages of little changes that I had to make, or not so little and not so little. So, but the actual turnaround after that between the finishing it and then recording it and then releasing it was a lot quicker in those days than it is these days much much quicker i mean i think it was released in the same year that i wrote it which i don't think happens these days at all yeah quite a quite a big lead in time these days i think what was your thinking with the, the characters in here the fact that we've got tom who was obviously looking out for his sister and he's got a wonderfully cynical look in the world <laughs> yeah, the um, uh, the the broken policeman. Yeah, that's 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 a lovely character in any story, isn't it? The, the broken down police guy, you know, who's once believed in something but now believes in nothing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the Zimmerman character, the bad guy, was was a, a, a simple idea. I just thought, what happens if a bad guy isn't bad anymore, but he's still a bit twisted? You know, he's he's not. You know, he's he, 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 he's not healthy to lock lock the woman you love in a time loop. I mean, that's not exactly healthy, but but he's he's not evil anymore. 
I like damaged characters. I, I mean, not physically. I mean, I mean, obviously, the brother's got a gammy leg, but um, I mean, damaged as in, you know, you know what I mean, in the past, and there's ghosts and haunted by regret or whatever it is. And seeing people, seeing characters struggle with that kind of thing, I, I like that. I like that a lot. It's, it's nice. So then, I would imagine that when you were made aware of the cast, that must have been whoa, such a buzz. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, heroes from classic Doctor Who ages and um, Coronation Street and uh, you know sitcom history uh, in the U- in, in UK TV. I mean, yes, I mean, uh, I was. I mean that that was that was that was an amazing. It was I think it was the fourth, maybe the fourth story that I'd written for Big Finish, and I was thrilled with all of them. As I mean, I loved maybe Colin Baker. I would call my Doctor, not the one I started with, but I absolutely love Colin Baker. And the dynamic of the Peter Davison was wonderful. But to have all of these established, hugely well-known actors in i mean i made julia mckenzie sing hungarian you know i mean this is this is somebody can write that um so at least mention it in my epitaph or something you know um that was that was wonderful i love that and of course getting one of britain's biggest stars i mean she was obviously maybe not as big as she is now but to get sheridan smith performing your work as well and anybody who knows my Twitter or has listened to these podcasts will know I love Sheridan Smith. Oh, yeah, I mean, this is, I, I, I first knew her, like my guess, many people, I first saw her on the TV in um, Two Pints of Lager. And that was, that was hilarious. That, she was brilliant in that. She had some, oh, she uh, wonderful. And the most recent thing I saw her in was, um, was what's the what's the what's the, the the thing that she's just finished? The thing that's just been on the TV. The comic, Rosie Rosie Malloy. That was um, that was a joy. Yes, she's she's she just. I, I've never seen her in the. I mean, I live a, I don't live in the UK, and I, I so I never see theatre. But I would love to see her in the theatre. She's yes, she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Let's have a quick word about the Tarmadoc. It must have been good fun inventing your your big bads who are absolutely irredeemably not uh, not going to be able to do much good. No, you have to have you have to have a, um, a a thoroughly. It's like it's like zombies or Nazis. You know, you have to have something with zero zero uh, sympathy value. You know, so this is. Uh, the, the, the name actually, I always use Hungarian words in the names. And if anybody's interested that the Tarmadog is, it means attackers in, it's the Hungarian word for attackers. So that, that's where the name comes from. Yeah, just a, a thoroughly, well, I mean, well, they, they've got a bit of a history, haven't they, at the end of the, at the, end of the story where they, uh, you get a little bit of sympathy for them, I suppose. But um, yes, full out, full out aggression. And of course, you get to bring in some of Alan Barnes's creations as well with the Vortosaurs, which were quite good as well. The fact they're riding them, because I got a picture. I mean, I remember when we were chatting many, many moons ago, I visualised them as looking like the Predator, perhaps, but a bit more furry and uh, riding on these sort of space pterodactyls. <laughs> Beautiful, perfect. I love that. Yes, I love. I, I do. I do remember listening to the very first McGann story they did, which was um, 
Storm Warning with Gareth Thomas and I mean yeah I mean that, that when that when when Big Finish released that that was amazing you've got Paul McGann Gareth Thomas and, and this is you know what a, what a crazy thing and they introduced of course the Vortizors there I just wanted to use those again and um, make a joke about the name as well I mean I'm sure everybody noticed that I, that I called I, I called her Margaret um, yes. which was a call obviously a call back to uh to storm warning which uh which i thought was nice yeah that that, that was they were a great uh invention in storm warning these 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 crazy creatures um yes love so what did you think when you got to hear it well that that was i did listen to it again when you asked me uh, if we could do this and i was i have to say i was a bit reticent because it's very old and I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not. I think, to be to, abs- to be absolutely honest, I think it's it would probably stand. I think fans would probably say it's not the strongest of the series. I don't think it would be a fan favourite. I, I think uh, I, that's, that's just how it feels to me. I don't think it would be a fan favourite. I'm, I'm happy, very happy with the way it turned out. I love the music, what the, the sound, and uh, reproducing this beautiful Hungarian sounds with the instruments and uh, this atmosphere was absolutely gorgeous. I think fans might think it's not quite who enough, despite the time loop and all of the other stuff. It might not be too who enough, I think, to be a fan favorite, but I listened. I listened to it, and it made me laugh. With lots of, uh, I'd forgotten how much I'd got Lucy staring at the doctor's backside. Um, that, 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 I mean, I, I was, I was told that she had to be irreverent. You know, that they had to have this kind of bantering kind of thing. And I thought, well, okay. There was one section that I really did like, and I thought did stand up, which is when um, she says to the doctor, Sheridan Smith says to the doctor. Does it ever bother you how easily you can manipulate people? And he just says yes, just immediately. And that's the, you know, Paul McGann delivered that brilliantly. It was just immediate, just yes, it does, you know, which I thought was nice. That was a nice moment. In conclusion, I think there were some very nice bits. It made me laugh. I was happy about it. The music was, I was so proud that that was there. That was so stunning. That was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and it really fitted the atmosphere, really, you know, like down to the ground. It was beautiful, and such a it was such a difficult ask as well, I suppose, you know, to to have this kind of atmosphere. But it was na- absolutely nailed it. So that was brilliant. I just I just hope it's a um, you know like fans like it. So yeah, I, I liked it. I, it was it was okay. I was reticent to listen to it, but I'm glad I did. I think you're being a bit over harsh on <laughs> yourself. Because I'm quite a fan of it because I quite like these stories that is, you know, you've got the, like you have on TV, you've got Boomtown before the Eccleston season finalities. And there's always these like quiet trips, just like loving monsters and such like. And I usually quite like these because it gives you that sort of, it's more of a character piece. And then you get build up to the wham bam action stuff. So I've always been a big fan of it, as I hope you know. And um, I was... I thoroughly enjoyed re-listening to it. I think there's just so many great grips of character and real emotion in there, tugging in the heartstrings. So it works for me. I hope it works. As, I mean, that's that's. I mean, if it does work like that, then I'm glad. So as a kind of a lull to like you can 
It's it's like you know, uh, it's like the, the the third track on every well structured album. You know, you've got two real big openers, and then you've got the little bit of a relaxation. Then you go back into it on the third track. So um, if it serves that purpose, then yeah, absolutely, that works. I'm glad because that that season as a whole is because it was starting something nice, and that that was that was really nice. That um, that, that that whole season and and one of the writers on there of course was um uh i always get his name wrong because i always uh, i always say i always say brian clemens but it's jonathan clemens isn't it of course yes. so i always i always confuse him with the tv producer from the <laughs> 1970s but um, he wouldn't thank me for that i'm sure but i listened to a lot of um of his work he i mean you know everyone should everyone should search big finish and uh, for his name and uh, and pick out all of his audios. It's sadly, his the um, the Judge Dread stuff isn't available anymore. But yeah, I mean, and yeah, to be to be part of that was fantastic. And something you mentioned when we were emailing was that you'd had a look and you'd found some of your Hungarian sort of reference notes and things like that. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you reminded. I've got, I found, I've got it open here. Um, this is the way that we did the uh, the song because if if people forgot or people can't remember then Julia McKenzie had some her character had some Hungarian heritage and one of the scenes she sang a Hungarian song And um, I, a, a traditional folk song, it's like, I, God knows, like a hundred years old. And I had found uh, in a library here in Budapest, uh, audio recordings on, on a cassette. This was back in the day. And uh, it was, oh my God, probably about 150, like 20 second excerpts from different folk songs which were performed by you know basically old people who were living in the country I, it was it was like um you know like a, a, an oral tradition you know to keep these things going and they were recorded sometime in the 50s or 60s i think and luckily because back in those days my hungarian was even worse than it is now <laughs> Um, I uh, I could I, I looked through the Hungarian. There was a transcript of uh, all of these snippets, and uh, it was in Hungarian and it was in English. So I looked through the Hungarian to pick out a couple of words that I would identify with. I, I relied more heavily on the English, and the I I, I found the file now, and uh, the, the, the one of the sections. I'll just read it for you. Basically, one of the sections that we got. Julia McKenzie to do was uh, hey girl the translation is basically this is a rough translation this is very rough because you've got to remember that this Hungarian is like from this is from an oral tradition from a countryside so you know somebody living in a, in a big city these days might not recognize it so easily because it's full of dialect and full of slang and uh, stuff uh, from um and these language communities that you know don't exist anymore i guess uh, so a, but a basic rough translation is hey girl where are you going 
I'm going after my ex-lover to ask him if he still really loves me. And um, and I thought that was, I mean, you know, that that was a kind of a nice idea to uh, to, to put in there in, into the song. So we, that's why we chose this one, um, this snippet. And um, we, uh, I'm uh, me and a, a, a friend of mine here, Hungarian. She translated. She wrote out the translation, and she, and my friend, recorded it again, speaking it so that it was more clear than you can hear it on the original recording from this old woman, 90 years old, living in the countryside in 1950 or something. And um, and so it was much, much clearer for Julia McKenzie to actually be able to, hopefully, we thought, to copy what she was hearing phonetically. Because obviously, I mean, God bless her, nobody expects her to, <laughs> Julia McKenzie to speak Hungarian. So she did it phonetically like that. And so we sent her the audio file hoping that it would be easier for her to phonetically reproduce what she heard and it was it was fantastic it sounded it sounded exactly what it was supposed to sound like which was a woman with hungarian heritage who'd grown up in england for her whole life but has this in her background and so she's using the language you know not a native speaker but using the language in in very emotional ways and um again she nailed it it was just wonderful absolutely it, it, that took a lot of organization especially on the part of the production and team in the studio and of course julie mckenzie herself a lot of work but the result was wonderful i loved it loved it brilliant paul thank you very much for joining us on pieces of eight and uh getting zoom for the first time and i i've yes, thoroughly enjoyed I, I, it thanks very much for inviting me i um i uh i loved revisiting it yes it was it was uh, it was nice to do thanks very much thanks to paul for taking the time to join us in his first ever doctor who podcast chat i am honored oh he was great really really nice guy and uh, hopefully we'll get to chat to him about some other ones sometime soon i hope so now remember listeners if you've enjoyed today's pieces of eight or indeed liked any episode we've done, please do leave a review for us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, as it means more people can find our episodes and it's always appreciated. And you can always follow the podcast on Twitter if you do not do so already at Pieces of Eighth. And we also have our own new Facebook group too, uh, so feel free to join us on there for lots of sexy fun. Except it's not sexy, so it's just fun. Unless you think we're sexy, dear listeners, and if you do, please do post on Facebook to say that we're sexy, because it's good for the ego, even though I don't have one. (laughs) Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode, this time having a chat with our friends Matthew Jacobs and Vanessa Yule, uh, live in LA, about their reaction to their documentary, Doctor Who Am I? You know, I say quite often that I'm not a jealous person. I know what's coming this, next. It, exactly. This this series is just me constantly going, I'm so jealous that you managed to do that, or talk to them, or do this, or go there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we did get what, three, four interviews for episodes in this series out of it, so we can't complain too much. That is true. I did get to help interview Nicholas Briggs, though. That's true. That's true. But well, that's coming up in uh, two weeks' time. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, until next time, I've been Kenny Smith. And I was Rebecca Jowen. <laughs>
Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>